Welcome to the Grey Eye and Disability Arts online podcast, Disability And, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, Grey Eye's associate artist, Kate Lovell, chats with Grey Eye's trainee producer, Robin Bowyer, about art and theatre and how it informs social change. Welcome to the Disability and Podcast. My name is Kate Lovell and I am joined here by Robin Barrier. And we are both working at Grey Eye, um, both recently joined last month. I am an associate artist with a focus on new writing and artist development. Um, and I'm Grey Eye's new trainee producer. I am a white woman short messy dyed purple hair I wear black rimmed round glasses and I would normally be wearing something obnoxiously brightly coloured and floral but today I'm actually just wearing a grey cardigan and and black t-shirt to throw everyone off guard. (laughs) Very out of character for you. (laughs) Um, I'm yeah I'm a white female um, and my I have brown hair and it's tied up in the in a bun at the moment and I'm wearing a grey hoodie um, and yeah. And me and Robin connected when we first joined Grey Eye as we both um, have a big passion for art as a tool for social change. That's what we'd like to discuss today in this podcast. So if it's okay Robin I'll I'll put you on the spot and ask you what does art as a tool for social change mean from your perspective um for me art is is a way that we can connect with each other um and I think by connecting that creates social change and makes us think about things differently and have conversations about deeper topics that art can often facilitate um and it's through that collaborative and opening up process if you like is where real change happens because um it allows us to think differently and really nav- really see the world um for what it is and how we can support positive change and often when we see things that inspire us it makes us think positively about how our role within society and also how we can support society to maybe be better sometimes yes definitely I know that when you're saying there about kind of being able to see see the world and connect with others I know that I'm often attracted to go and see work that is made by people who are different from me or talking about something that I kind of know very little or next to nothing about because I hope that I'll be able to learn something and kind of see through somebody's eyes who who is very different from me and I find that like exciting and I hope that it kind of broadens my my own horizons. Yeah storytelling is such a underrated tool um, for us learning and 
developing and and like you say like seeking out work that isn't of your own voice I think that's really important and you know you as a person you can tell that when especially from the role that you do at Grey Eye you have to seek out different stories because um your role is to support that narrative um and yeah it's it's a, yeah it's an amazing tool isn't it yeah and I think you know that's one thing that attracts me to new writing is that you get to hear the voices that are kind of telling the stories of now and the stories of today and I think that storytelling can help us process the world as well and particularly we're living through a global pandemic and you know we're coming coming up to nearly two two years of living with this or or we're just about two years now really um and I think we've all sort of have kind of going through a collective trauma really and I think that art is has been and will continue to be really important in you know helping us to understand what has happened and, and process everything yeah and I think throughout this time it's been quite inspiring to see how people have used art as their sanctuary and and it's not always about making huge political change when we're talking about social change it's also about um art as a tool in helping people cope in in many ways or find hope in in the world when it doesn't feel that way and I think that's also really powerful too absolutely I mean when you think about the the times of lockdowns and the times we've had to spend you know shut away from most other people but then people have been turning on the tv watching netflix watching bbc dramas and you know theaters streaming things and gray eye creating content specifically for watching online and like you say it has been people's real sanctuary and a way of something to hold on to and something to talk to other people about um you know because normally you might talk to your friends and family about what you've been doing but obviously sometimes during the pandemic during the lockdowns that that amounts to not not very much to talk about really went for a walk ordered some stuff from tesco um point point of connection yeah definitely and i hope that you know it's now seen as that um a play you know it's now seen where it should be is like a really important way of life and also a way of again was finding connection yeah because I sometimes think there's a bit of a disconnect people like to watch films or tv shows and then sort of don't always connect the dots that that is the arts um you know that the arts needs funding so that people can carry on hearing those stories and enjoying those stories like and theatre sort of feeds the, the film and tv industry and I'm not always sure that unless you're working in the industry that you know you know about those sort of mechanisms yeah exactly it's like Fleabag started off as a fringe show and yeah absolutely a lot of I mean it's not like obviously I don't think there's a hierarchy I mean I love I love theatre um, but I guess more you could probably say that more people watch TV than go to the theatre. So it's like, that's where 
people are more likely to know about things on TV. Um, but yeah, like Fleabag, what one woman fringe show was, and then I think it got picked up um, from the fringe and taken somewhere. Maybe the National. I can't remember before it was then turned into. Yeah, I think it was the National. Yeah. But it's amazing her story, you know, like she she wrote that piece because she couldn't find her foot in the door. And I think that's what's amazing about theatre is that people are writing because maybe they're not feeling like there's no representation or people are feeling like, you know, like this is I'm going to give myself that opportunity. And I think that's like that surely that breeds great art, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I love that that you've picked up on. Like, although I'm not saying it's sort of easy to write theatre, it isn't. But it's more <laughs> that if you write a script and you know you come and meet someone from a theatre company or an organisation, or you raise some money and book a room, you can put it on. Um, um, you know, obviously, there's a lot more gatekeeping when it comes to like TV and, and, and film. But theatre has that kind of rawness and you, I think you can get things kind of out to an audience kind of more quickly and it's maybe a more sort of urgent response to what's happening in the world. That's one of the reasons I really love it. You can't sort of replace, you can't sort of replicate that when you've got to kind of book a whole film crew and spend months and months making something. It's a, it, it creates a sort of different, a different kind of art. Has there been a work that's inspired you in regards to social change or just a, a piece of art that, well, a piece of theatre that's made you go on the journey that you're on? Oh, that's a good question. And the answer is probably maybe unexpected in some ways, but I do remember that the show that made me think, wow, this is so amazing, um, was Guys and Dolls at the National Theatre, um, and it would have been t- pretty much 20 years ago. I joined like a local amateur dramatic kind of group in my hometown. It it was really accessible because it only cost £6 for a whole year's like membership. Um, oh. And they they took us on this, you know, coach trip to see this play at the National. And, I mean, it was a great production, and I still... <laughs> Still regret that I only had four pounds to spend in the cassette tape of the songs was five pounds. Still re- regret that. <laughs> Have to find that tape sometime. But but um, you know it wasn't that like the show was necessarily in itself like trying to be a force for social change or anything. But I think there was something about sort of like going to a drama group that didn't cost the earth to go and that anyone could go to. You know, didn't have to go through like a rigorous like audition selection process. It was just really open and then I did I did sort of take that into when when I went off to university um I didn't like study theatre in the first instance but I did join the drama society and they had a night there once a week where people could just try out stuff and kind of experiment and um I sort of took on a role with another person of of programming and organizing those nights and you didn't have, again, you didn't have to audition for that. You just sort of pitched ideas. And and I just really loved doing that. And I, I think that's what started to shape me into the kind of artist I knew I wanted to be. 
um, like somebody who's who's giving that space for anyone who wants to engage in art to do it, um, and not art not all being about you've got to have gone to drama school and trained in a particular way and do things in a particular way. Sort of more exciting to to see how someone comes at it who hasn't come from that background. It's interesting to hear like your journey and I think when you're talking about access and the importance of access that or doesn't obviously disability is something that we advocate here at Grey Eye but also that like classless thing as well so making sure that things are affordable is really important because that's obviously how you got into this industry yeah that's it like because everything kind of intersects and is there a particular kind of work or moment that made that sort of propelled you into this this world of theatre making with social change at its heart I think there's lots of different pieces when I look back at it um but I think probably and it wasn't it wasn't the best piece in the world but probably um having theatre and education come into school yeah um, I think like that was the first time really that and they were talking about like big heavy topics like um teen teenage pregnancy I think one of them was um and I just thought like like these people are are talking about things that relate to what's going on now and and that's like their job like that's a job and and I just thought it's so amazing like they came into school and like Uh. seeing hot seating for the first time and thinking oh like this this is incredible like you can actually ask these characters questions and and that engagement piece around it and just feeling like you could engage and I think that's something that really inspired me and then while that was going on I saw someone in the background dressed in black obviously and and wearing a headset and I thought well what's their job and they were a stage manager and I thought oh that that's I didn't even know that existed and and then I just yeah then I went to uni studied um drama and stagecraft so could learn all of the backstage stuff as well um yeah and then we did our own theatre and education piece and that was interesting being on the other side of it and yeah um yeah and I just I just think I mean, it, it's again, it's about that accessibility, um, be it going into the environment of learning. That's like, it feels like, in some ways, I feel like it makes the young people feel like they're in control of the situation, which I think is really makes it about social change in some ways, because you're representing a piece of work to them in their environment. And I think there's something really beautiful about that, um, you know, seeing both sides of it. And we decided to have one of the characters have dyslexia and it was all about getting to university and basically that you can go to university if, if you have, um, you know, 
neuro differences and I think that was really important for me personally to, to tell that story but yeah I think there's something really special about theatre and education and it's not always like the per- most perfect piece of you know most perfect piece of theatre or art but I like that it's in that environment. I think you've just hit on something so so important and um, that it is undervalued like you say it may be it's not something that you're going to go and see um you know in the west end isn't all that art is about and yeah making art in in like people's environment where they're comfortable and where they don't have to like take a a train ride 100 miles or whatever to go and go and see it it's right there it's for them um and i think it's a kind of double-edged sword because then it is special because it's only for those people and then, but then sometimes you think oh i wish more people knew about these things that happen on this this small scale that can be really profound like that theater and education show that came into your school that started a light bulb moment and um you know i was just thinking then i should say it was the barn theater in welling garden city that i went to when i was a kid i should give a name check you know i shouldn't um i should because it's them that started me on this journey and they're still going and as far as i know they still run youth theaters and you know that they are the sort of training grounds or the places where you're going to have those light bulb moments just as important as as seeing a show at the national you know yeah big shout out to all the amdrabs (laughs) yeah absolutely particularly ones that managed to keep going on you know shoestring so like when we're talking about social change and obviously Grey Eye are like at the forefront, you know, the trailblazers within access and and making sure that there's representation for disability on stage and off stage. Like why what made you want to work for them? How how did you come across Grey Eye? I came across Grey Eye while I was studying up at York University and their their production of Blasted was coming to York Theatre Royal. And I actually, it was in their studio space, which then was very small. I don't know if it's been refurbed now, but I couldn't get a ticket um, and I was really disappointed. But um, I saw that they were doing... A workshop and they needed some volunteers to support and I thought oh I'll volunteer because then at least I'll get a little taste of what's happening I did that and um sort of it was Jenny doing the workshop and she had her interpreter there and I supported um a blind woman who wanted to do some writing and um I just started my awareness started kind of opening up to this this very inclusive and yeah um type of theatre with access at, at its heart and then I, I kind of feel like our paths just kept meeting over the years and I saw a show at Theatre Royal Stratford East when I moved to London many years later called Signs of a Star-Shaped Diva with a deaf actress Caroline Parker um performing and I really fell in love with it and I went to see it twice and I the second time I brought a massive group of like um people I was studying with at Goldsmiths 
and then I booked for Grey Eye to come and do a workshop and yeah I just it felt like I just had this kind of concentric circle it just kept getting sort of ever closer <laughs> um and yeah I've become more and more passionate about championing deaf and disabled voices and Grey Eye were the company that taught me about the social model of disability and allowed me to understand that I'm that I am a disabled person rather than a broken person, which is how I how I felt before with under the medical model sort of regime that I was used to. So to to, to come now and be working in the role as associate artist does feel like coming home, like oh yeah, this was always meant to be somehow. <laughs> this sort of magnetic pull. What about you and Grey Eye? What, what sort of brought you to Grey Eye? I just want to say it does sound like it was always meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> it does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> but that might be just me being a storyteller and spinning a good yarn. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, well, I'd seen some um, shows while I was studying in Liverpool um, and I like had never really come across... Um, you know, which is obviously why grey exi- why grey eye exists and why we need to continue to advocate. I never really come across like such a broad um representation of disability on stage before seeing any of their work and then um yeah, and then it sort of just sat in my head for a while. And then um during lockdown they put out a training programme called Beyond, which, yeah, is about supporting regional artists and um, connecting them to venues and trying to make work happen. So I decided to join that programme because I thought it was a good way of developing through lockdown and I felt really, like, supported through yeah it kept me going really through the pandemic and made me feel like the arts weren't an unachievable goal (laughs) yes and yeah and then basically I applied I thought oh my gosh like imagine being a trainee producer but in that environment it would be amazing and supporting that mission um yeah so I applied and here I am so yeah I feel really lucky um to to have got the position but also really lucky to work with like amazing people who are like really inspiring yeah that's it it is um I mean for for listeners I don't want to get too navel gazy but it, it is a great it is a great team to be a part of and and what you said there about you know about them being trailblazers I love the fact that Grey Eye says we're a human rights theatre company and, and that was something that is so important to me and I think is, you know, it's part of that, isn't it, that they're, they're explicitly saying we're here to change the world, you know, be, be, be part of that. It's, nothing is just art in inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. I think it, we're going to be on an inspiring journey the next well, it's a bit less than a year now, but I feel like we're on on a journey of 
advocacy and also development ourselves which is exciting in this environment yes definitely and our first few weeks have been busy 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 especially for you Robin working across so many different projects (laughs) everybody's busy aren't they (laughs) yeah that's true that's true but you know that there are two other associate artists who I think we'll be doing the next podcast, um, Mm -hmm. Brittany and Sonny. And the four of us, you know, created a new writing showcase that we presented um, on the 3rd of December for the International Day of Disabled People. And um, again, that, that, that sort of felt like we were trying to put ourselves on the map, you know, it's International Day of Disabled People, here's plays written by disabled people, directed by disabled people, the whole team, you know, and showcasing that that, that talent and doing it on, on Zoom, um, even though theatres are still open. But I think it's sort of also a way of making sure that, you know, many people could be included um, so that we were able to cast without worrying about location, including working with a writer who is from... And New York, um, and not also people that might still not be feeling good about going out and about and mixing. Um, and obviously now that's got even more intense um, that we're in mid-December. But yeah, I just love that we we made that happen, even though we've only met each other in person a handful of times. But we did that together as a team. So it shows what can be done, you know. Yeah, and I think it helps us let go of our perfectionism. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think that is, I, you know, as I know for me as a writer, if I don't have a deadline, um, it's a bit like it could just go on forever because, you know, you can always think, oh, it could be a bit better, this could change, that could change. It can sort of, you do sort of have to draw a line somewhere. Um. I think that is one other element maybe that attracts me to theatre, that you do sort of usually have a hard deadline. Although it might be a bit nerve-wracking, it is a way of making sure that something happens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like you said before, it's that quick turnaround and it's about being responsive to the time. And I think that's really powerful and that, in itself is you know it's about art is about a moment in time and I think that's why theatre is so powerful is because it's about it can be so responsive to a moment in time yeah absolutely what about you what's your what do you want from this year I I think um well something I've been thinking I was thinking about earlier on today about how being a writer can be lonely and then I think being a deaf, disabled or neurodivergent writer can sort of be a layer of lonely um, and how maybe like creating a community for for writers could be, could be something interesting to explore and obviously there are communities out there, you know, of writers and, you know, I'm connected to other writers but maybe something that has a kind of hub and a structure and maybe some offers of, of, of 
things to do, spaces to be, you know, I think maybe writers, we don't connect enough um, because it is a solitary. It can be a solitary occupation, but it doesn't sort of have to be. Just maybe experimenting a bit. What would happen if three of us got together and wrote a piece? Like, you know, just thinking about different ways of working. And and, and under the grey eye model, then we, we don't have to sort of worry about, oh, but if I want to work with a deaf writer and um, a writer who can't leave their home, how will we do it? Well, you know, with the support of Grey Eye, we'd make it work. We'd get those access needs met and we'd do it. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of interested in trying to create more of a community or connection between disabled writers. That sounds really exciting. I think it'll be, it's a really positive thing because, as you say, writing can be quite a lonely process and I think yeah it sounds like a really lovely thing of bringing people together and connecting again yeah I think it's something um to 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 try out and see what happens and then all the misanthropic writers will go oh no we don't like people and hide in their rooms again no I'm joking I'm joking (laughs) (laughs) I think you know as well to write you have to spend time with people you have to like be out in the world and um, and that can be extra difficult during a pandemic. So finding new ways to kind of connect and, and meet people is probably sort of extra important. Are you gonna? Do you think you're looking at doing that in the new year? Look at uh, how you can start that rolling. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I probably need to sort of <laughs> have more of a plan and structured thoughts. But that's just sort of my 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 general splurge of thought about it. You put it out into the universe now. So you've got- I know, I know. It's probably, <laughs> I was just thinking that, but it's probably quite useful pressure, sort of gentle pressure from myself to myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, accountability. And I can ask you to help me produce, produce it. <laughs> it. After you've done all the other million things that I'm sure you've got on your to-do list. <laughs> yeah, as has everybody. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been really nice catching up I don't I don't know I feel like we've come to a natural end yeah you know it has been great and um great talking about something that we're both kind of so passionate about as well yeah definitely I think we can only live in hope and I think that's what art is it, it does and I know that it's a scary time right now people are feeling maybe a bit anxious but we've just got to find it in us to to find that creativity and, and channel it in some way. Yeah, isn't it about kind of taking the energy? Like I know sometimes my anxiety it does make me restless and I channeling. I mean, even, even today I've had a bit quite a difficult day with anxiety, so channeling it into this conversation is like a useful sort of thing to be able to do and hopefully you know making art for people can provide that sort of place to put put some of the thoughts and feelings and and process everything well thank you very much robin for taking time to have this lovely chat with me this afternoon and yeah you have a lovely christmas and everyone listening does too Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure and Merry Christmas to you and um, I'm really looking forward to 
yeah making some change happen in the new year absolutely watch this space everybody Visit greyeye.org and disabilityarts.online for details of productions, events, interviews, opinions, reviews and learning opportunities.